Good morning. It's good to see everybody at the chapel this morning. As you're finding a a seat, turn in your Bibles to Genesis. You know, yesterday was a wonderful day. It it was a day of celebration. We had a wedding. Justin and Kristen got married. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, I was honored to be able to do the the ceremony and and just be a part of that. And you know, when when you see a uh, a wedding take place, it's such a time of celebration because you know that it's a time of beginning. And uh, how many people have their husband or wife here this morning? Look, can I just see your hand? All right, quite a few. And, and you know that from the day that you say, I do, a change is a coming. And you look in the eyes of that sweet young couple and they're saying their vows to one another. And, and there's this feeling of a, oh, a change of coming. <laughs> and that's why it's so important to be a part of a church uh, in, in hearing the Word of God on a regular basis Because the Word of God brings about a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path. It it guides us in areas not just in our personal life, but in our marriage. When when the Word of God teaches us about life, it it brings to our mind. And it's not what you have heard in the past, but it's what you're hearing. We know the Word of God changes our thinking. And when our thinking changes, it changes our emotions. Before you have come to know Jesus, or you might even know Jesus, you might know of Him, but you don't have a relationship with Him. And what does that mean? That means you're not in the Word of God. And if you know the Word of God, and you're hearing the Word of God, and you're hearing the Word of God, your faith is being uh, extended, or your capacity is being increased. And we know that the Word of God then changes our emotions. We're not just emotionally driven. In marriage, come on now. Some of you that have been married 40 and 50 years, you know that your husband or wife can say something and it, it's possibly like, possibly like water off a duck's back. I mean, it's like, oh, she didn't mean that. I've been married too long. I know. Or it can mean, oh, I know exactly what you meant. I've been married too long. You can't say what you, yeah. So the Word of God, again, changes our emotions. We walk in love, even though that is not always natural for us to do. But the Word of God changes our emotions, and it changes our choices. Then we're making choices. Instead of, does this dress make me look fat? And before you answer, I've got the divorce attorney on speed dial. We begin to make the right choices. And when we make the right choices, it changes our habits. The Word of God changes our habits, our character, and our destiny. This morning, if you're in a place where you go, I just don't like where I'm at. And let me tell you this, that we know from the day of beginning until the time that you know we're done, it's hard sometimes to stay the course. Hear me? To stay the course because we know that when blessings come into our life, it it encourages us and it's like a reward. I'm on the right track. When problems come, it's 
it, it's so easy for all of us just kind of go, well, you know, and we begin to drift off course. The, that's fact. I'm going to say that in a minute again. It's important to get into the Word of God because when we hear the Word of God, it changes us. And sometimes you don't even realize it's changing you until there's a swing. You know what I mean? When there's been time that has elapsed and you're out of the Word of God and all of a sudden you go, what am I feeling this way? Why am I doing that? Or it's a time when somebody can come into your life that haven't seen you in a while and they go, there's something about you that has changed. So, so this morning as we're hearing the Word of God in today's message, realize that there's a reason why we come and, and to, to get into the Word of God. To keep us on track. Because it's not our good intentions that are going to get us there. We've talked about this. It's whatever gets our attention. Hey! Everybody, whoa, whoa. Whatever gets your attention will determine your focus, and whatever you're focused on will determine your direction, your direction, your destiny. It's just, it seems so easy, and it is easy, but it's not easy sometimes to stay and keep our attention on the things of God. Especially when we live in this culture that that they're, they're not believers. People are not believers that we deal with on a regular basis. So we as believers, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you say, God, He's my Lord and Savior, then today as we hear the Word of God, allow the Word of God to to get inside of you. The passage of Scriptures that I'm going to read today is out of Genesis. In Genesis 37, I'm going to read kind of in the beginning of the, the sermon or in the beginning of the story. And then I'm going to read the conclusion, kind of, the, almost the conclusion of the story. Now this morning we're going to be talking about Joseph, and it starts, the passage that I want to start with is Genesis 37, verse 16. Now the background is this, there's brothers, and one of the brothers is called Joseph. And if you've heard this story before, Joseph is a brother that has favor on his life, his father just thinks he's everything and kind of the apple of his eye. And the other brothers have become jealous to a certain point. We know Joseph has a a robe that was given to him by his father that had many colors. Um, Joseph was born by one of his wives, another wife that was his favorite. And, And Joseph has dreams of what's going to happen. And really, in a nutshell, I could just explain it to somebody quickly by saying he's had dreams that he's going to rule over his brothers. So this is called attention because what he's saying is, I'm going to be blessed to be a leader over you. And and they go, ho, ho, ho. I don't know if I like that. To the point that they're out as shepherds and the father sends Joseph to check on them. Could anybody see the tension that's building just in that statement? You're going to send who to check on us? To make things even worse, they're older brothers. And the passage starts like this. Joseph finds a man and he can't find his brothers. And he says, hey, I'm looking for my brothers. 
Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I hear them say, I heard them say that they're going to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but they saw him in the distance. Now watch this. They saw him in a dis- at the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Can anybody just from this point on can tell what the emotions of the brothers are right now? They're not, there's our favorite brother. Birthday party, birthday party, birthday No. They're plotting to kill him. They haven't even talked to him yet. So Joseph, look at this. So they plotted to kill him, verse uh, 19. Here comes that dreamer. He's already got an identity, or their identity, in their mind. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, which is a pit, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. This is premeditated murder, you know what I mean? Then look at the statement that really sums up this part in the season in his life. His brothers say, then we'll see what comes of his what? What will come of his dreams. He says that he's going to be blessed. Well, let's see what comes of that blessing. Now, now this is very important for us because they're seeing him as a problem. Now, as we go through life, as I said, there's either problems or answers that come into our life. In this situation, the brothers are looking at him going, he's a problem. But if you push the fast forward button and go all the way to the end of the story, and if you do not know the story, Joseph goes through a lot of stuff before he comes to this point. Genesis 45, verse 16. There's a drought and a famine that has happened. People are dying. People are coming to Egypt, which it just so happens that Joseph is the prime minister. He is the uh, pretty much the ruling force in the land under Pharaoh. Pharaoh's another name for the king. And Joseph's brothers have come from Canaan up to Egypt to buy grain, to feed themselves, their family, their livestock. I mean, it, it's a matter of... Uh, emergency. It's a crisis. Can you imagine going to the grocery store and there's nothing on the shelves? This is this is a bad time. And they they go to Egypt, and Joseph at this point in the story, there's a lot of stuff that has gone on that we'll talk about next week too. But at this point, Joseph identifies himself. They don't even know it's him. I don't know if he's got on the makeup as the Egyptians did, and the, there's all kinds of conjecture that could have happened. That, but the the thing is that they don't even know who it is until he says, "I'm your brother." Now, remember the last time that they've seen him, how would they label him? A problem. That guy's a problem. But in this passage, verse sixteen, the same people. The same brothers are going to see him different. They go to Egypt. He reveals himself. And it says in verse 16, When the news reached Pharaoh's palace, this is the king, that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to, jo- Pharaoh said to Joseph, Tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. 
I will keep you, I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this. Man, I love, anybody beside me love good news? You know, here's the good news. Do this. Take some carts from Egypt. They didn't pay for the carts. Take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind about all your belongings, all your garage sale stuff that you thought was so important. (laughs) Because the best of all Egypt will be yours. Ah, good news. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts, as Pharaoh had commanded, and also gave them provisions for the journey. Now remember, that is no little thing because they're hungry. Gives them provisions for the journey back home. To each of them, he gave new clothing. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels, which is his younger brother, was not part of the scam. (laughs) Gave him 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he... He sent his father ten donkey loads with the best things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away. And as they were leaving, he said to them, I love this right here. Don't quarrel on the way. See, what he was saying is that there's a great chance that you guys are going to leave me and you're going to go home and you're going to be kicking yourself. You're going to be blaming each other for selling me into slavery. You're going to put me in a place that you're going to say, this is why, this is your fault, this is your fault. Can you see it happening? And Joseph says, don't quarrel along the way. And the reason why is if you know the whole story, Joseph has told him, it was a good thing that I went through all that I did go through. Because God had a plan, and I was part of that plan for the answer to what was going to be a need in your life. Now watch this. The need in the people's life was that God says, I know things that you don't know because my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are as far as the heaven is from the earth from you. Oh, I got this all figured out. Let me just tell you now, no you don't. God had a plan way back when He gave this young man out on the the pasture a dream that was going to take place, that he was going to live it out, and at the end of it, the same people that saw him as a problem was going to say, man, you're the answer. Now let me say it again. From the beginning of your life until the end, it takes work to stay on course. So many times the blessings, we, we all will agree, helps us stay on course. When we love the good news, we love the, the good things that God gives us, the, the things that He brings into our life. But here's what I'm telling you today. It's the problems that want to make us jump off course. In, in today's message, I want you to hear something, that when you're going through the problems, the problems can be part of the answer. Hmm. See, the brothers seem. They, they see him coming early on in the story and they see the coat. They know who he is. That's Joseph, the dreamer. They saw the favor from his father on Joseph's life. They, they see this. They see that the dream was being exalted, that he was going to be exalted over them. They see him as a problem. 
Have you ever noticed, and, and, and just think about this, you, you never see a hater that is below you, or let me say above you, throwing rocks at you. It's always the people that are under you going, eh, look at him. Look at her. See, favor is unmerited. It is nothing that a lot of times we do, but let me tell you, it's things that we do in obedience to God's Word that allows favor to come upon us. Now, let me explain this to you. The Bible says, Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. What does that mean? If you think about it, you meditate on it long enough, you begin to say, well, that means that if I'm a giver, that God will give back to me. It's a blessing that God has for me. That I'm supposed to be a person that walks in love. That's giving out love. That's kindness. So here's what's amazing to me is haters that will see you as a problem. Now, can I just tell you the tagline of this message? When people see you as a problem, you cannot allow your value to be dictated by them. So if I'm a giver, and let's say I'm a giver in, in being kind to people, and God gives me that pressed down, shaken together, running over, and people are just kind to me. It just is, and people go, why are they always kind to you? And there's some people that will never actually understand that it's the favor of God because of the obedience of walking in the Word of God that brings that kindness back to me. So people that have chosen not to walk in love, there's all kinds of ways to not walk in love. We know that. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Cynical people. Are you having a good day? Well, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I've got about three less seconds to talk to you. But when you see that come back on you, and some, some people go, you know what? I, I just don't like that. That person's always seeing things, and I never see that favor on my life. It's the people that at the time in their life are not staying on the course because some problem that they saw comes up and begins to steal the hope out of their life. And all of a sudden they see that person over there that has sown and sown and sown and reaping a harvest as sometimes their problem. Again, my value is not determined by the person's perspective of me that says at the moment that I am a problem. See, the people that throw you in a pit is because they see you as a problem. Now, if, if you can get this point right here, it can make you, not, not bulletproof, it still hurts when people look at you as a problem, but it begins to shield you from allowing your emotions to take back what the Word of God says that you shouldn't take back. He's the Lord of my life. He's the director of my life and I'm going to walk in. What did you say to me? See what I mean? How quick it can get back into your control. Because somebody sees you a problem, sees you as a problem, all of a sudden we want to say, oh no! And we want to jump off course. Now watch this. 
The next step is they put him in a pit and they begin to plot how to kill him and they come up with really the, the cowardly way. They think, well, well, I tell you what, we won't kill him, we'll sell him into slavery. So there's a group of people called the Midianites or the Ishmaelites. They come by and watch this. This group of people look down in the pit and what the brothers saw as a problem, they see as an answer. We can sell him. We can make some money off of him. So they bring him out of the pit. They travel in a caravan all the way to Pharaoh's house, or not Pharaoh, but to Potiphar. Potiphar is the chief guard or the chief over the king's guard. He's up in the the government. And they begin to say, you know, we can sell him. And they see him as an answer. And they go to to the slave auction or wherever they're doing the transaction. And they sell him to the man named Potiphar. Potiphar looks at this young man. And because of his appearance that we'll find out later. Sees him as an answer. Now, now watch this. Is this not true? Let me give an observation in your life that you might not have seen. Every time that you spend money on something, you see it as an answer in your life. You you put value on it. That's going to bring some value to me. This is what Pharaoh or Potiphar, I keep saying Pharaoh, Potiphar at this point is looking at this young man and saying, I'm going to put some money, I'm going to put some value on this because he's going to bring value to my life. It's the same thing, that the Word of God, that God knew this before you even took a breath, that when we pour, we put our finances, our money, it gives us value. But a lot of people say at the very least, they could tithe, that's 10%. And people say, the least, that's the most. No, no, God says that the 10% is mine, says the Lord. And what that does is it says, I'm going to give you the best, the first of my income. But what we do is we begin to go, you know what, I, I don't know. It, I, I, can, I, can, I don't know if I can do that. And what we do is we've never seen that, that putting our finances in the kingdom of God will bring value to our lives. Now, now if, if you hear this, this, this isn't supposed to be condemning. It's supposed to be encouraging. It, it, it's, it's supposed to be able to say, you know what, God? I, I see you as the answer. And you said that where my money is, where my treasure is, there's my heart. Now, John Miller can be the biggest, you know, I, I can tell my brain to come up with the best excuse why not to do the, the things of God. So I'm not saying that I can't do the same thing that anybody else can. But at the end of the day, where I put the value is what I see as the answer for my life. Well, see, we don't see the kingdom of God as much as our own kingdom being valued. But here is Potiphar, and he looks at this young man, and he says, he can bring value to my house. See, if you need more, you fill in the blank. I need more of this in my life. Become an answer. See, a lot of times we're not interested in that. We'd rather just pray for more money and income. And then we blame God that we don't have more. What I found out is when I become an answer, there's more income that becomes part of my life. It's the things that God has even told me. And here it is that in this story that he takes this position 
And, and, and here's Joseph, and he's in slavery, but he takes a position as a, a slave. This is his first day on the job, and he has a decision to make. Will I stay a problem? Will I try to escape? Will I try to keep complaining? Will I, I keep saying, this isn't for me? Or will I do something in the position that I'm at right now in my life? See, that's in your life. That's when you get hired to a job and they put you in a place that you go, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do my best. Now watch this. This is where the Christian, the Christ-like follower begins to stand out. This is when people look at you and they go, you know what? The company is, is kind of on a rocky ground and, and there's people that are quitting. Matter of fact, your boss is quitting and are you going to quit too? And you step up and go, you're about ready to see why you hired me. And they look at you and they go, What? And you begin to do the things that God has taught you to do through His Word. And all of a sudden, you become the answer that they're seeking. See, this morning, I want you to understand that when you got that interview at your job, it's to show that you're an answer. See, see there's so many times that the boss says, you just show me that you're an answer and I'll pay you greatly. You show me an answer and I'll, I'll pay to keep you. When people are saying they're laying off people, they, you can go, they're not going to lay off me because I have value to that company. You think you have a problem, but you have an opportunity to show that you're an answer. This is for someone today because, I, as I said before, the 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 word poor, if you break it down, is passing over opportunities repeatedly. Passing over opportunities repeatedly. And at the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask people if you need prayer to come up and we're going to have some people up front praying for you. And what I want you to understand is God has placed you right now and there's a, I just believe that there's a shift going to go on in people's lives. Remember, May 2019. Because some of us have been going through a, a struggle maybe and, and we're fighting and we're going to say, we're an answer. Even though somebody might be saying, you're a problem. We're going to take a step up and we're going to say, no, 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 no. God has made me the answer. See, see, they tell me that in, in math, and, and some of you have went through algebra and, and some of you know that when, when you're young, they, they teach you math and math is really a problem. You know, arithmetic is a problem Looking for an answer. But the older we get, they put us in a class called algebra, which is really an answer looking for a problem. See, a lot of us today have been in an environment so long, and I don't know what, what your parents taught you, I don't know what your school taught you, but you feel like you are a problem looking for an answer. Could someone just help me? But let me tell you this morning in an encouragement note that God has made you with the anointing on your life to be an answer to the problem that is around you. So you go to work in the morning and people are going, oh, you don't know. You go, you know what? Let me just shine a little light in this darkness. Well, let me tell you this way. We need some photographers. And you go, what? Here, here's what I love is yesterday at the wedding, I, I had, I have an iPhone, excuse me. 
like nobody else has one of those, but I can be a photographer. So I'm going around taking pictures, and I'm thinking, this is the cruises picture. What am I going to do with these on my And I thought, oh, I'm going to wait for some time to pass, and I'm going to encourage them. You remember this day? I'm going to send them pictures. And see, in our lives as Christians, we need at work some photographers to bring back the memories of the good things in people's lives that they're struggling with. There's no hope! And we bring back a picture and we go, hey, do you remember the first time that we met? We were down there and that happened and we got that and we did that. And you go, well, I forgot all about that. Everybody can see a problem. But you're the answer. So this morning, I want you to see this. This is Joseph, and he is put in slavery, and everybody knows that. And in just a minute, I want you to see the favor, because we know that he's in slavery. Negative problem. We know even if you've read this story before, in the next season, his wife is going to try to seduce him, and he'll end up in prison. We know negative problem. But at this season in his life, can we just all agree that he's living a pretty smoking deal? He's the lead in a mansion. He didn't pay for the mansion. He has no horrible responsibility as the landowner and doing all. All he has to do is tell the shots. Give the shots. That's what we're going to do today. Let me explain it this way. If, if you can't see favor as him being an answer, watch this. In Genesis 39 verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. <laughs> I don't believe in prosperity in the Bible. Well, there it is right there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, in other words, when he saw that he was the answer and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, let me add this, he wasn't a stupid man. And Joseph found favor in the eyes, in his eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted his care everything he owned. Anybody hear that beside me? Everything. This is a guy that's not in his own, even it's not his hometown. His family's not around. But he's got everything that Potiphar owns. He's running the mansion, the plantation, whatever it is. From the time that Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Listen to this. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both the house and in the field. So Potiphar, this is the consequence of being the answer. Trust. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. And it goes on to say, now Joseph was well built and handsome. That'll be talked about next week. But I want you to see this. He puts, him in, puts Joseph as the answer and in charge of both the house and the field. Now, now watch this. We're going to wrap this up, but I want you to see this week's points. 
if you're in this place, see, there's some people that will only see the problem. Can I tell you, it doesn't take a real smart person just to see the problem. We know that, right? We call it bird dogging. People, there's a problem. And if you've ever been a manager, a boss, self-employed, people working for you, there's a lot of bird dogs. Could you not help with that problem? No, I just report the problem. We can see the problem. He's in slavery. He could have said, I'm not where I dreamed I'd be at this point in my life. I'm not with my family. It's a lot of work every day. Am I making sense? This is the problem. He could say, the weather's hot here in Egypt. When it gets to the weather, you know they're looking for something to be the problem. Have you ever asked somebody how you doing and went, oh, I tried to grab that before I came out of my mouth. Well, I'm glad you asked. Got room with, you know, anyway, you know. But I just wonder, when, when I'm thinking about Joseph, and, he, and he's, he's prospering in all he's doing, and if you're Potiphar, you're the guy that owns the mansion, and so you don't put any bumpkin over that stuff. You put a guy that's very bright, that is, is willing to learn, that is expanding in his capacity. I, I don't. So I, I just think it's conjecture that he's looking at Joseph, and he's going, this guy's got it together. He is the answer. I just wonder, now think about this. If he's over everything, the house and in the field, he's over all these slaves that are there that are managing, I just have to wonder if he's kind of, you know, the, the, the business 101 guy. You know what I mean? He, he's, he's having staff meetings in the morning going, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. The, the big guy that's carrying the little stuff, that don't make sense. The, the little guy needs to carry the little stuff, and a big guy carries the big stuff. And everybody's going, he's a genius. He's a genius. Man, where do you know that stuff? He's saying, we're going to build, we're going to dig a well. And because we're digging a well, we can irrigate more property and grow more crops. And Potiphar's going, man, that Joseph, he's something. He's going to his boss, Potiphar, and he's saying, you know what, Potiphar? You know, the more I think about it is, if we build silos, and silos, we can build up our crops in the harvest time, and we can bring in all the food, and we can store it in these silos. And I, you know what? We've already tried the ABC method, and it didn't work as good. Let's try the XYZ method, because then we can store more food, and they're going to keep more. And he goes, hey, good idea. Now watch this. He doesn't realize, but he's the answer. He doesn't realize that he is in training to eventually do the same thing for the whole country of Egypt. But because he, in a smaller situation, as a slave, I'm not doing anything they don't make me do. This company, I tell you what, they just want the death of me. Have you heard it? That's not how we speak. And if it's how you speak now, it's not how you speak tomorrow. 
It's a new day. The Word of God bring, brought revelation this morning to you. That you begin to look at it in a different way, in a different perspective. You begin to say, you know what, God? I'm the answer here. So when I look around, I go, man, this place stinks. What am I going to bring tomorrow to work to make this place smell better? This place is dark. I tell you, Pastor, they're cussing down there and they're, they're just swearing and they talking about women and I tell you what. What are you going to bring tomorrow that brings light into that darkness? God has picked you to be the light as the answer in that dark place. Now you don't, you know, be smart. It didn't take a genius, hopefully, to know that you don't go in there going, you all are going to hell and I'm the light. <laughs> what? I want you to listen to me. Bunch of heathens, reprobates, just a bunch of Gentiles. You need sanctifying. You know, all those church words that they're going, what is sanctification? That's totally holy. Ishmaelites. He's training right where he's at at this house called Potiphar's. And, and he's, he's doing stuff and he's, he's expanding. And, and, and the boss is going, man, favor for you. Favor, 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 and favor. When, when you think about the boss, only thing that he's concerned about, the owner of this mansion, is the only thing he's going, I'm wondering if I'm having turkey tonight or roast beef. That's all he's concerned about, what he's eating. Everything else, what? That sounds like a detail. Go talk to Joseph. Because he's my answer. Are you the answer? See, here's what I found out. When people hear the click of the door opening, you know what I mean? Click. Click. And all of a sudden you go, wow, I see the big picture now. You stop despising all the dents inside you and in you. Because you realize it's the dents that allowed you to fit into the new circumstance of the next level of life that you're going to go into. Then you begin, as Joseph will say, it was good that I suffered. It's good that I went through all that. Because God needed an answer way down there that I couldn't see and you couldn't see. Can I tell you this? The overarching life lesson that we're going to glean through these next this week and next week is this. Life's road has potholes and obstacles. But it's God, not coincidence. See, a lot of people want to play that off. It's God that builds a bridge over the potholes, even using the very obstacles that blocked our way at once. No, no, he's going to say, no, no, I get away. If you trust me, I'll make a way. Just, let, let me just quickly say, have you ever remember, do you remember the story of Moses and his mother puts him in a basket and puts him in the water because the king is trying to kill him? How many knows that that would be an obstacle? But did you ever realize that he floats downstream and the obstacle, the king, Pharaoh's sister, takes that baby into the house of the king, and takes care of him. The very obstacle that was against Moses ends up being his answer. I love that. 
we studied this morning. And if, if you can, be here next Sunday morning at 9.30. It's a Christian education. We're speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you don't know the superpower, you know, we all hear about the Avengers and we hear about those superpowers. We all have a superpower, the Holy Spirit working inside of us. We talked about this morning, and Gwen was reading it, when it talked about that Peter and John go to the, the, the temple and it says that a, a man that is a beggar says, you know, give me some money. And he says, silver and gold do I, I don't have, but what I do, I'll give you. Bang! You know. What was the bang? The Holy Spirit healed that guy. He gets up and he, he begins to jump around. I know some of you pious people might say, settle down, settle down, you're in church. But that guy says, look out! Cupid shovel. <laughs> to the right, to the left. <laughs> Calm down. He says, I'm not calming down. But here's what I love is he just comes bouncing in with them into the temple and they're going, that's the guy that was lame sitting out there. And if you read that passage, it says the people, these are doubters. But that problem, when the answer shows up, begins to be the answer to all the doubters in the temple. With wonder and amazement, they said, what's up? And Peter Slips right in and says, let me tell you the answer, Jesus Christ. See, a lot of us have been going through life thinking that we're a problem looking for the answer. But this morning, God's anointing is on your life. How do I know that? Pastor, you don't know me. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, Oh, I've been praying ever since I've known that you've come to know God and make Him Lord and Savior. He's talking to the church. He goes, I've been praying that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him better. And then this too. And, and also, also, that you might know that the power that raised Christ from the dead, that power lives in you. This morning, I got up and I put on these pants. Don't you like them? They, they got a little they got a little white here that looks like they're dirty a little bit. You know, that's a style. Can't, can't go as far as the holes. That's poverty pants. That's stylish, but I'm just not going there. But, but this morning, you know, I, I got a confession. I might not have washed them the last time I, I wore them. Just confession. But I put my hand in my pocket and bang, some cash was in there. That's right, I went. Two bucks. I thought my past self was a little cheap. I wish he would have put a little bit more in there. <laughs> Bang, two bucks. But, but here's what I loved is this money has always been mine. You know what I mean? It was mine. Didn't even know it was in there. Till this morning, bang, two bucks, mine. See it? Slow motion. Bang. Okay. The, the, the money was mine. Didn't know it. Reminded myself today. This morning, revelation of you being in the answer. First time some of you have heard that. Well, maybe I am. That. No, I'm not the answer. Maybe I am the answer. It, it's always been yours. The pastor didn't make it happen today. The Word of God says that. It's going to be up to you if you appropriate the Word of God by faith. We're going to continue this next week. I want you to be here next week to hear the rest of the story. But I want you right now 
See, see, here's the thing about uh, prayer is it allows us to confess, God, this is what I'm, I'm believing. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come and I'm going to ask the prayer team just to come up here. You might not know the people that you're going to pray with, but that's okay. But if you take a step of faith, maybe this morning you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I'm going to agree with somebody. See, see, the Bible works this way. This is what the Word of God says. This is what God tells us to do. Where two or three agree on earth on anything, huh? What will be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is bound on earth will be bound. In other words, there's a supernatural tie with when we come together in unity. This morning, as we agree in prayer for things that are going on in your life, some of you right now are in a place where you feel like, ah, there's just needing to be a breakthrough in my job. There needs to be a breakthrough in my marriage. There needs to be a breakthrough in what I've been believing God for years. It just seems like I'm, I need to jump off course because my problems have got me so down. And then some of you have been off course Maybe for a year, two, three, and you're saying, you know what? Now it's time for me to get back on course. So this morning, as they sing a song, just as a, 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 an ability or an opportunity for you to take a step and say, you know what? I'm going to respond to the message today. I want to ask you if you would stand. In a few minutes, we'll leave this building and this Sunday will be over as far as church goes. So I want to give you the opportunity just to take a step, to agree with someone in prayer for something and watch what God will do in your life.